0: What the fuck, Sandro? Girl? What's the next episode of Greenhouse Sass gonna come out, man? I've been waiting for months now, brother. Just wanted to check in. i in the in and out, of course, you know, as always, with the fucking drive-through and checking in, uh, see how my bros are hanging and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, keep your head up, man, and uh, hope to hear from you soon. They are, motherfucker. A- <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm trying, man, I'm trying. It's just it's been busy starting your job and all this, man. Investing in mixtape that probably won't work out, you know? Uh, that's our that's our number one fan, and to our number one fan and any other fans that we have, well, here's, after a long wait, here's our next episode of Greenhouse Sass. What's up, everyone? I'm Karan. And I'm James. And I'm Sandro. Welcome to another episode of Greenhouse Sass, our podcast dedicated to breaking down looming environmental issues into smaller, more readily digestible conversations. Okay, why'd you say it like that?
1: Like, breaking down looming environmental issues into smaller, digestible conversations? You make it sound like a bunch of metaphorical garbage compactors, like a couple of couple of guys taking bad news and putting it into bite-sized pieces.
0: Well, I mean, I wasn't going to say it quite like that, but that's kind of what we do, right? It's a good metaphor. What's the problem with saying it like that?
1: Just that you want to still out the audience, you know, inspire them. I know things aren't great, but we should be stoked to talk about putting out the world's dumpster fires.
2: Okay, guys, I hope you brought your hoses because today we're here to spray down some of the impacts of climate change. (laughs) Ah, Like that? Like is that? Like are you guys stoked? Are you ready to rumble?
1: No, I just uh, you know what I mean. Uh, What about enthusiasm? The ruckus? Yeah.
2: Okay. I mean, I. I, I see where you're coming from, but like enthusiasm, and like true love, it ju- it's just going to have to happen naturally, you know, give it time and it will find us in this podcast.
1: Thank you, enlightened one. Please help me redo my Tinder profile.
0: All right. Well, I'm just going to force a transition here, moving from one dire cause to another. Today, we're going to be discussing how the world's climate has already changed. We often talk about climate change as this looming issue that will only really affect future generations. But the truth is, it's already here, and it's already impacting regions and people across the globe. Yeah,
2: like, I don't know, like so many things, uh, it's an issue that really doesn't get the media spotlight it deserves. But just as climate change is real, so are climate refugees, and they are already popping up across the globe. We're seeing larger scale human migration all the time um, due to things like resource scarcity and the increased frequency of extreme weather events that are forcing more people to resettle all the time
1: that was a really lame way to say extreme just fyi extreme weather events <laughs> extreme that's better um you
2: can't say extreme in a, in a librarian voice
1: <laughs> <laughs> but so while this does happen across the globe it's currently concentrated in developing countries in the earth's low latitudinal band
0: latitudinal wow look at you with your big words yeah latitudinal of or relating
1: to a location's position north or south of the equator i'm very smart um okay
2: i wouldn't I wouldn't go that far, but i'm <laughs> still impressed that you knew like latitudinal bands make her dance um just for <laughs> <laughs> uh, clarification what, what i just for maybe our audience's sake like what are the developing countries in low latitudinal bands
0: uh we can give a few examples in a bit, but they're mainly these agriculturally dependent nations like Kenya, Somalia, Vietnam, Bangladesh, Florida, Louisiana. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean. Everyone's got to give Florida that the Yeah, Karan, what's your beef with Florida, man?
0: Have you seen Florida, man? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Weren't you born in Florida? <laughs> I mean, jokes aside, this this does happen everywhere. Um, It's most serious in places without, you know, a strong government support. Like, this was not a widely reported story, but in 2017, the UN estimated that about 68 and a half million people were forcibly displaced. That's more than at any other point in human history. While it's hard to estimate exact numbers, this report concludes that approximately one third of these people, you know, or about 24 million people were forced to move by, quote unquote, sudden onset weather events, talking about things like flooding, forest fires, droughts intensified storms
0: oh wow and what about the other two-thirds
1: if i had to guess i would say other humanitarian crises you know wars persecutions also a huge issue that deserves more attention but uh obviously there's a lot of things that are trying to compete for our attention these days so for the sake of this podcast i think we should stick to the displacements due to climate change
2: wow Sandra, a man who knows big words and how to stay on topic. I feel like I don't even know who you are
0: anymore. What a dream, man.
1: I'm a modern-day Shakespeare.
0: All right. Uh, New rule for the podcast. No self-complimenting. Self-deprecation is allowed, but that's it. What about insults directed toward others? Uh, I think that's still fair game.
2: Yeah, I mean, okay. That's, yeah. I mean, without rules, we are really no better than swine.
0: Forcing the transition back on the topic, very obvious conclusion that climate change is contributing to a wide variety of events that are slowly reshaping the Earth and forcing people to either change how they live or migrate to new lands.
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like we all hear the sensationalized stories about these sudden massive natural disasters like fires and earthquakes, but the slower onset events of climate change are often more severe in the long run and really more wide-reaching and less understood they're going to have a bigger impact on humanity, plain and simple. It's so rare to hear a breaking news story on de- desertification or sea level rise.
0: Yeah, or ocean acidification or air pollution or a loss of biodiversity.
2: I mean, okay, that's a lot of uh, slow onset climate related causes. Wow, that's a big word.
1: Yeah, it's a complicated issue.
2: Okay, well, I maybe let's like break some of them down and maybe give them the like sensationalization they deserve. Like some, what are some examples of how these processes are already affecting people?
0: All right. uh, Where do you want to start?
2: Uh, Okay. What about desertification?
0: That is the
1: process of, or relating to becoming a dessert like cupcakes it affects millions of Americans every year, and is usually associated with diabetes and childhood obesity.
2: Okay, you might know latitudinal, but you do not know what dessert it is. Latitudinal, I, 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 dummy. Latitudinal, <laughs> La, that's how they say it. It's, it's juon. Um, hey, you better fix your latitudinal. <laughs> like, in all seriousness, I, I, I had, like, some, I understand, I know you guys can fill in the blanks for me, but, like the desertification is like the process by which like fertile land that people have relied on for, you know, long period of time, kind of slowly due to like our own making dries out and becomes uninhabitable. Like, you know, when the people can't farm, the grass don't grow and the sky just ain't blue. Like they they can't grow food to sustain themselves and they have to flee. And I've definitely heard about this in like uh, the Bible, but uh, I'm honestly not sure where it's <laughs> been most recently occurring.
0: I mean, yeah, it's pretty biblical. Um, But in terms of climate change, I like to think of it as more of our record high human population and a global food system that farms more land than at any point in Earth's history. Sure, we have some technological advancements that make farming more efficient, but a lot of people across the globe are still constantly tilling the land in an unsustainable fashion. It's not their fault. It's something they've been doing forever, but it does impact everyone.
1: Yeah, farming is a good example. In that UN report from 2017 where they were trying to quantify the global refugee crisis, they estimate that the pace of arable land degradation is currently occurring at 30 to 35 times the historical rate. Farming practices that deplete the nutrients in the soil are a huge part of it, but it's also constantly mining for minerals to trade or make iPhones, you know, or or over animals overgrazing. Yeah, they eat You know, they eat away grasses and erode topsoil, you get the picture. It doesn't take too much human pressure to overwhelm the soil and the larger earth system.
0: Yeah, and I mean, on an even more direct level, there's also the constant clear-cutting of land. When the tree and plant cover that holds the soil in place is removed for fuel and for timber, or to clear it for more agriculture, the land gets pretty uh, badly beaten down. The takeaway here is that the possibilities for this type of persistent degradation are endless and they happen everywhere but like most climate crises,
1: the most extreme examples are in places without strong government support networks or developed infrastructure to help people overcome these issues some of the most extreme examples of this are in africa specifically the grasslands of east africa for example in both kenya and ethiopia up to 80 percent of the country's arable land is estimated to be at risk of desertification this has led to a constant influx of migrants seeking better conditions in neighboring countries or even traveling as far as Europe literally in search of greener pastures
2: Green refugees like it's um it makes sense i think like just how quickly we can uh overwhelm the earth but just to to kind of clarify like desertification is not like the expansion of the desert like it's not like the Sahara is expanding onto this these know regions it's like the degradation of the currently existing arable land in areas that were once hospitable to human development like we've overwhelmed the earth we gave it too much love
0: or lack of love (laughs) yeah well it came on a little too strong um yeah (laughs) that's a good metaphor (laughs) it happens on every continent except antarctica which is already a desert but it's most extreme in places with large numbers of Farmers that aren't able to implement sustainable farming practices. All right, what's the next one? Sea level rise? Oh,
2: I got this. I actually do know about this one. I saw that movie uh, The Day After Tomorrow. Oh, I've also been... <laughs> also documentary. Yeah, you know
1: knowledgeable. <laughs>
2: Dude, no, I've, jokes aside, I have um, been really trying to understand why the ocean is heating up and the ice is melting. Let's hear it. I you'd never ask. Um... <laughs> in case you guys don't know humans release something um in the range of 14 zeta joules of excess heat every year what does that mean uh
1: well uh
2: you cultured you uncultured swine you don't know what a zeta joule
0: <laughs> what happened to your big words yeah no
1: one that one, that one is too big i have a limit that one is way over the limit <laughs>
2: Yeah, okay. It's not in one of those third-grade latitudinal books. <laughs>
1: hey, you know what? Though I'll just go with this. I think zeta is one of my new favorite words. But yeah, what is it?
2: It's a, uh, it's twenty-one zeros. So like a thousand billion billion regular jewels.
1: Sounds intense.
0: Um, definitely never count that high. I Can't really even visualize what that is. Can you like put that in kind of like a frame of reference for us? It's honestly, I don't think we It's a thousand billion billion, but
2: uh, it's an astronomically <laughs> high number. Um, but I think maybe for reference, scientists at Oxford, Laura Izana, she made like a model for how much, basically like energy is released due to human induced activities into the earth every second. Guess how many atom bombs it is every second, the equivalent of the every equivalent second? amount of energy. Every
1: yeah. Atom second. bombs? Yeah. Wow, there's a lot to to digest there. Um I don't think I'm ready for this. 0. 0. 4, I don't think you get I don't think atom bombs come in like fractions. <laughs> fraction <laughs> right <laughs> <yet. laughs> Something's gone wrong if you get a fraction of atom bomb. Okay. Uh, Can we
0: downgrade from atom bombs to like, I don't know, grenades or something? Yeah. yeah. The,
1: um, okay, the number is so
2: big that you have to use atom bombs. Oh my god. How many per second? Uh I I think she initially estimates let's say conservatively three. Like is her this model has been critiqued and other people have taken turns picking it apart, but it's between one and five every second.
0: What? Just because one of and like five. Oh my god. One and five like, atom bombs a second?
2: Yeah, and like releasing it, like that's how much energy is constantly being released. Like on the Holy high shit. end, if you Google this, that's... you can see like there's high ones that are like it's definitely five, and there's low ones say one, but it's like Either one, it's like- Well,
0: incredible. one atom bomb a second is still- Yeah, none miles. of that is comforting. That's not yeah, good. I've,
2: yeah, I don't know what the, the upside of that one is other than just the-
0: Yo, this the is like how factor. you make- You know, this is how you make climate change more of a threat. We were just talking about how we need to make it more of an enemy. Like we would consider like terrorists or things like that. Like, look, we being nuked, you know, five times a second or whatever it is. Yeah, we're, we're basically self-nuking. We're self-nuking ourselves. Self-nuking ourselves. Self-nuking
1: ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So eloquent. Yeah.
2: All yeah. right. If you can think that like as all of humanity, we are consuming more energy than we've ever consumed ever. And it's going up all the time. But even then, like we still in like 2019 only consume something like half a zeta joule of energy in a given year. But we release uh, 28 times that in heat-related emissions. So we're throwing out all these uh, zeta-joules of excess heat are going out with no place to go. 14 of them, to be exact. And 90% of this heat, shout out to the ocean for absorbing like 90% of it. You yeah, know, if the if the atmosphere had to absorb it, uh, the planet would have warmed 10 degrees by now and we would literally all be dead. But uh, I guess salute. like
0: <laughs> Salute to her for taking all our shit. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's really
0: amazing they can handle it, but this happens
2: year after year, and it's, like, only increasing, and it's not something the ocean was necessarily designed for. So, you know, it's increased over 400% since scientists first started measuring it in the 1950s. And so, as you can imagine, the heat keeps going into the ocean, and uh, like any pool that you pee in, the temperature will rise. And so this, like, over time, (laughs) melts ice caps um, and creates kind of more extreme storms. As there's more water moving around and kind of more instability and uh these storms and the rising sea levels like basically like wear away coastlines across the globe.
0: We're just gonna gloss over the fact that you regularly pee in pools. Um <laughs> I, some, know, I some just coast- know people do. I'm just saying. okay. It's you're a friend. It's a friend of yours, right? Yeah, I, I, I do. Heard, I heard about it on a gate line <laughs> NBC story and, and Sonner does it. God, I'm so glad quarantine <laughs> makes us I can't swim with you guys.
1: Anyway, <laughs> real um, talk though, uh the ocean deserves a lot better
0: it does we should not be metaphorically peeing in it with our heat related it's like the put upon mom (laughs) anyway some coastlines are more readily impacted than others right like some areas are like more vulnerable for storms and rising sea levels
2: totally i mean the most impacted beaches are spread out across the globe and i imagine they're more centered on places with human development that we're regularly monitoring but uh In terms of like what we know and what we can verify it's a lot of like low-lying coastal cities built on floodplains. i mean if you google it like shanghai and uh kolkata are going to be drastically changing over the next 50 to 100 years but even in the u.s like we're seeing like the king tides in miami that now flood into the streets you know during high tide like water literally rises out from the ground or uh, places like even Honolulu, you know, that tropical place that every American dreams of flying into, they're they're expected to experience chronic tidal flooding nearly every day by the middle of the century, twenty fifty.
1: Oh wow, I'm not a xenophobe or anything, but I really do not want to be overrun by Miamian refugees. Dude, actually,
2: uh, dude, the Will Smith song, like my like Party in the City, where the heat is on all night on the beach, till the break at dawn, that's really captured a lot of it. <laughs>
0: I can't say we I've ever just, actually listened to Will Smith. Yeah, we should
1: just defer to Will Smith for all climate <laughs> <Yeah>. related <laughs> He's a knowledgeable dude. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, if, if we don't figure it out, you might just be dealing with a lot more Miami and refugees. Uh, flooding relocations are starting to happen everywhere.
2: I mean, okay, that's something I know less about, but what, what would be like a good example of somewhere where flooding has already forced people to relocate?
0: Yeah, I mean, I was... Joking earlier about Louisiana being, you know, a developing country in a low latitudinal zone that generates a lot of climate refugees, but there are significant relocations due to uh, sea level rise that are already happening in Louisiana. Right wow! Now. Really? Yeah. Uh, again, it's not really talked about too often. We m- much rather talk about
2: Trump. And what the and royal World. family is going to name their next Netflix series? Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: But the U.S. government already has been moving people out of flooding cities along the bayou. If you Google Pecan Acres, you can read about this small town of about 4,000 people outside of Baton Rouge that's literally nicknamed Flood City because it's flooded 17 times in the last 30 years.
1: That's a lot of water damage.
0: It's kind of hard to believe people would still live there after, like, the fourth time. Hey, man, no one's ever flooded the city 18 times. (laughs) Yeah, oh, this one might break down. <laughs> Wait. I, yeah, I mean like, like I think so many of these situations people either have their roots in this town or they just can't afford to move. But as of 2020, the Louisiana Office for Disaster Recovery is funding a program to simply move everyone out of the town to higher ground and they are going to make the town a restored wetland.
2: I've, a restore I think we're going to keep seeing more of this. Like, I, I can't imagine it, it, the, the ocean like The ocean kind of has a no take back policy with all that heat. Like, we're not going to suck it back out. And it it is slowly happening in a lot of different places, but I didn't realize it was already in the US. Like, uh, I remember reading a report, I think it was like 2018, from the Union of Concerned Scientists that estimated like 300,000 homes in the lower 48 states are at risk of like repeated chronic flooding in the next 30 years, like hometowns that are going to be converted to restored wetlands.
1: So the takeaway is really be careful where you buy your next beach house. Yeah, I mean, sea level rise is a very real
2: thing and a big example of how climate change can and will ruin your life. Uh, like, just go to the Hawaii state government website and look up sea level rise. Uh, like, uh, here's some fast facts from that one, like the Hilo Bay. Fast facts. Yeah, fast facts, because you're too lazy to read the whole thing. Um, <laughs> The Hilo Bay in Hawaii, it's risen 10 inches since 1950 and now rises one inch every four years. So, uh, yeah, surf's up, dudes. Uh, 13 <laughs> miles of beaches in the state are already gone, including 10% of, like, Oahu's beaches due to coastal erosion and sea level rise, and that 70% of the state's beaches are currently threatened by sea level rise. <sighs> Why wasn't there a Rocket Power episode about this? Like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> where are where the, the, you know, the 30% that aren't threatened?
0: I think Zuckerberg, the Zuck, already owns them. Oh, bummer. Dude, he who has
2: the gold makes the rules and buys the best oceanfront real estate.
0: Yeah, when um, he's done dealing with the government. Undermining democracy.
2: Dude, that's American way, baby. Um, <laughs> all right. What about, uh, ocean, okay, let's move on to uh, ocean acidification. How's that uh, affecting?
1: Well, when the ocean takes a couple tabs and loses its phone at Coachella, it's got to get all those new contacts back oh like acid bro (laughs)
2: what
1: (laughs) okay but in all seriousness uh i was actually reading that ocean acidification has led to mass relocations of oyster farmers all along the pacific northwest
2: the great seriously like the great oyster farmer relocation
0: yeah i just looked into it google walapa bay i'm assuming that's how you say it uh walapa (laughs) bay in washington they did produce like one quarter of the U.S.'s oysters pre-2006, but as CO2 concentrations and ocean temperatures rise, the water's pH plummets, and unsurprisingly, acidic waters are not really great for aquaculture.
2: That's surprising. I thought like warm waters filled with pollutants would be great for farming things in the water, but actually, oh wait, now that I'm thinking of this, this is back in 2010 when there were like oyster farmers that were testifying before Congress about the effects of climate change.
1: Yep. Those guys, they initially suspected some sort of bacteria, but they couldn't find anything. They hired some oceanographers who were able to figure out that it was the low pH of you know, corrosive water that naturally occurs hundreds of feet down because it hold, you know, it's more acidic because it holds more CO2. And it was rising rapidly like many things do in the ocean. So when the winds blew in a particular direction or there was some kind of like upwelling the deep ocean water was drawn right to the beach and this newly corrosive water got sucked into the oyster hatchery Mm.
0: yeah it was a process scientists knew about but they hadn't expected it to happen for another 50 to 100 years
2: it's like that old saying uh never been to a a climate change conference where the study found that the earth was changing slower than expected
0: (laughs) (laughs) well that's true but whatever happened to the oyster farmers though I'm pretty sure some of the farmers relocated to Hawaii to
1: start a new farm, but the remaining oyster industry pleaded with Congress, who then supplied money for new equipment to test the acidity of the water in the oyster farms. Over the next few years, the hatcheries tested their water using high-tech pH sensors and realized that by drawing water only when the pH was normal, the shellfish production could get back on track.
2: Oh, yeah, perks of living in a first world, or one of the many perks of living in a first world country is a, the government bailouts.
0: First world, baby, $600. Sucks to be one of the people, oyster farmers not in the US. <laughs> Can't afford high tech pH sensors. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can keep going down the list, but I think people get the point.
2: Yeah, I just I think it's just amazing when you really start to Google how much the world is changing and will continue to change.
1: Yeah. I got another Google factoid for you. Ooh, in Pass the fast
0: facts to the factoids. <laughs> in
1: 2018, the World Bank estimated that three regions, Latin America, Sub-Saharan Africa, and Southeast Asia, will generate 143 million more climate migrants by 2050. As the planet warms, storms intensify, sea level rises, and NASCAR viewership keeps increasing. That actually is real. It's true. It went up 3% in 2020. <laughs> All these things have a massive impact on everyone, and especially those without generous generous government bailouts.
2: So everyone that's not a banker,
0: <laughs> yeah, or you know, yeah, or an oyster farmer in the West Coast. Um, but I'm going to get up on the podium and rant for a second here, or more than a few seconds. And you know, just just <laughs> just just for a reference, oh, angry brown man is back. Just for a reference, <laughs> the 2015 Syrian refugee crisis that had everyone freaking the hell out. You know about it was like. Few hundred thousand to a few million refugees who had to flee Syria and the surrounding regions because ISIS was, you know, destroying everything. ISIS that that developed so much controversy. You know, all these all these migrants are fleeing to Europe, to North Africa, to the U.S., to Canada, and there was a lot of fear mongering and racism and xenophobia rolling around these uh, refugees. And you know, people like Donald Trump were elected in part due to a lot of that growing xenophobia. That was, you know, a fraction of this expected 143 million more climate migrants, most of them coming from, as you said, low latitudinal regions. They're going to be from Bangladesh. They're going to be from the Middle East, where it's going to be too hot to live even with AC. They're going to be from South America and so on. Yeah. <laughs> well, the,
1: get- the, the other thing is that it's not like we have the capacity to have to like, you know, support this massive influx of climate refugees like. Some people might think like, "Oh, it's fine. The government will take care of it." The government doesn't really have the resources to take care of 140 million people, and they don't really want to either. Which that's the whole ethical, yeah, you know, kind of conversation. But the the reality is, it's just not realistic for that to happen, and for everyone to end up being happy.
0: Yeah, and you know, expect the election in 2048 to be like "Make America Great Again" part two. You know, you got all these people coming in from wherever. But yeah, you know, if 143 million more people moved into. Already crowded areas, like there's the government is too incompetent to handle like um these people coming in. Yeah, but I think it's also important to realize that even if we stop the release of all emissions tomorrow, this warming process has been so solidified on that it's gonna be you know we're gonna be dealing with the effects of climate change for years to come. This is because you know carbon dioxide it lasts like a hundred plus years in the atmosphere. So even if like you know tomorrow we we become carbon neutral or carbon negative whatever it is. The carbon we emitted 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday is still going to har- harm us, like, you know, 50 to 100 years in the future. But yes. we should still try. Yeah, I mean, we got to put this garbage fire out.
2: I mean, what what can we do about it? <laughs> like, it's already burning, man.
1: I don't know. Cry. So it's it's full dumpsters. Have you tried wallowing in self pity? Have you uh, tried dude. asking people what kind of cruel psychotic God would ever allow for something like this to happen? Sandro, shut up. Dude,
0: <laughs> I've tried. It doesn't work, dude. <laughs> Um, well, I've got an idea of something we can do. What's that? So, you know, for four years under Donald Trump, we woke up, like, every morning, like, kind of terrified, like, something happened. You don't know what happened, but you knew something went down (laughs) when he was taking a shit at 3 a.m. And you checked your phone and, you know, (laughs) Donald Trump tweeted something, like, anti-Semitic or racist or... Sometimes he tweets cures for cancer. We don't know. I mean... Yeah, maybe there was something buried in there that was good. But I mean, for the most part, it was all just horrible. But people were paying attention. Now we got Joe Biden and we got our new guy. And I saw a lot of posts like the day of his inauguration. A lot of people were saying, oh, my God, his speech is so boring. I can't wait. Oh, my God, we finally have a boring politician. Make politics boring again. Finally, I don't have to be terrified every single time I turn on the news you know, really
1: know, see what's going on. It honestly was so nice to watch Joe Biden, like, appoint his cabinet and all of them just be, like, regular professionals. And then it just be, like, a super boring, like, process. You're like, oh, my God, thank God. I can just mute this and be content. Yeah, I mean, it's great that, you know,
0: we actually have, like, actual scientists and researchers and professionals in charge. And while I do think we don't have to be as stressed as we were under Trump, I do think it's dangerous to just completely unplug and be like, eh, just kick back in the passenger seat, just like fall asleep, screw it, whatever. I'm sure he's got it and just completely like disengage from everything that's going on.
2: I don't know, dude, t- six months later, we're going to get a new stepdad and shit's going to go haywire. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, I think we should definitely, you know, stay woke. Just continually just keep tabs on everything that's going on. You might like a lot of the things Joe Biden's doing you might not like a lot of things he might do. Uh oh, but it's so boring I don't to follow. It is boring and I'm not saying you should like be constantly, you know, just refreshing your your news, your New York Times or NPR or whatever it is and constantly just like, "Did you hear about this that's going on?" or just reposting on your Instagram story. I mean, you can do that if you want. I mean, I'll probably unfollow you, but but <laughs> I do think that you know, people should still pay attention to what's going on because I feel like Part one of the reasons we got Trump is because people kind of just like stopped paying attention. You know, everyone just assumed Hillary Clinton would win, and yeah, she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Big time fuck up on our part.
1: Yeah, no. And r- real talk. I, I I really uh I really agree with that. I, I think that, and especially because Joe Biden has just come out like he just came out of the gate firing on all cylinders. And oh yeah. He, you know, like he's saving us left and right. And but yeah, you, you it's important for individuals to uh, stay current.
0: Yeah, and even on a local level, like imagine all the shit that local politicians have gotten away with with regards to education, local environmental regulations, things like that, just like in their cities, counties, states, whatever it is, because people just aren't paying enough attention. That's all I got.
1: Well, side note, now that Trump is out of the spotlight, I think we should all give him the Britney treatment. What, Which is
2: what is the Brit? Is like
1: basically just... shave, shave his head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, absolutely shave his head and b just send hordes of paparazzi at him
0: until he literally just goes insane
2: oh I, th- I think that's like the sort of stuff he likes that he thrives.
0: yeah he loves that shit that's true he's gonna walk out in like a bathrobe and like nothing else. <laughs> hey <laughs> what's happening and then like <laughs> all over the newspapers
1: or whatever we'll just make sure all the paparazzi are, are just radical dems <laughs>
0: We could let's 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 not do that um well, something else we could do, like on a different note here. Wait, have, you guys, have, we, have you guys done a blood ritual? No, I haven't. Maybe you could, yeah, you could sacrifice a goat. Yeah, maybe maybe I could
1: sacrifice my virginity.
0: <laughs> I think that that was sacrificed a long
1: time ago. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Super cool, guys. Let's uh, let's go ahead. Since this is an episode where we've covered climate change, we've covered you know ocean acidification stuff like that. We sort of talked about solutions here. Let's go ahead and just mention that you should do all those things we talked about. That's important. Also, uh, another major player in this game that is really, really good at helping us put off climate change and deal with it is indigenous populations. Are they? Yes. Okay, how good are they? Yeah, so there are all sorts of studies that show that uh, natural resources and land that's managed by indigenous people ends up being more productive and healthier. And has you know less deforestation rates and all that stuff than land that's managed by governments and uh, sort of these like very far removed parties. Hmm.
2: Okay, so, what, yeah,
1: what, make, what makes their like I, I they just whatever. they they manage the land in a very sustainable way. Hmm. They don't just like yeah. go in there and chop everything down and then extract as many resources as possible, but they actually are in, like they intelligently and strategically utilize the land and the resources so that it replenishes but they also are able to have enough for themselves.
0: Yeah. A lot of their, their techniques, you know, regenerative agriculture is kind of making a big splash. You know, you have like Patagonia and general mills and all these big companies embracing regenerative agriculture, but like these indigenous peoples have been doing it for, you know, hundreds or thousands of years. That's how they always manage the land. And we'll, we'll dive way more into indigenous populations and regenerative agriculture in a future episode. Additionally, I want to bring up short-lived climate pollutants. I mentioned earlier that carbon dioxide has a long life in the atmosphere. It lasts like 100 or so years, so even if we stop all carbon dioxide emissions today, we're still going to be haunted by whatever we emitted yesterday or 10 or 50 or whatever years ago. However, there are other greenhouse gases that they are more potent than carbon dioxide, but they also don't last as long in the atmosphere. These are things like methane, which is something like 28 times more powerful than CO2 as a greenhouse gas. There's black carbon, which is like the particulate pollutants from diesel, um, burning diesel. There's refrigerants, which, you know, leakage from refrigerants, CFCs or HFCs. Uh, These can be several thousand times more potent than CO2. However, they last less, like methane lasts about 20 years in the atmosphere. So if we cut a lot of our, for example, methane emissions from raising cattle or from natural gas leaks, or black carbon emissions from burning diesel or refrigerant leakage, things like that, we can actively slow or like reduce the warming effect or slow down climate change. So that's another cool, interesting. I know that was a very depressing episode, but there we can be very strategic about how we tackle. Uh, what we should still reduce our CO two emissions, but if we really focus in on things like methane, black carbon, refrigerants. We have a good like fighting chance at slowing down climate change.
2: Well yeah, said. i mean I that's a great starting point but like uh it's a great pitch for a movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> we have short-lived client pollutants. we have fighting okay.
1: chance yeah
2: yeah <laughs> we just need to make a children's book like yeah how to not ruin the land we're given that would be a great
1: well, i mean there's so many like sci-fi works where basically the entire plot not the entire plot but like a major plot point is that Humans have screwed up Earth, and so we're trying to, like, terraform another less hospitable place. Like, that's going to be the reality at some point, you know? Hopefully not, but, like, it's not implausible.
0: Yeah, people are talking about, like, oh, Elon Musk is going to take us to Mars, and, you know, if, if Earth gets screwed, we're going to just go to Mars, and that'll be better. But it's like, no, Mars is not better. Mars is a shithole. Like, yeah, <laughs> even, even if we get there, even if we somehow, you know, get there, and we start setting up shop, it's not great to live in. I mean, there's barely any atmosphere. There's no oxygen. The the atmospheric pressure on Mars is so low that liquid water boils, like, on the surface. Like, if you just pour liquid water out, it just boils away. It's exposed to all the cosmic, like, deadly rays. So it's like, no, I don't want to live on Mars. the <laughs> fuck, you know? I do Plus- live on Earth. And Elon Musk is going to be there, and I want to live with a guy. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like a, a just fate. But, um, yeah, no, um... Stay, 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 uh, informed, and, um, you know, we're, uh, stay we're bored, on the right stay. path now.
0: Stay bored. Stay informed, stay bored. Stay, stay sassy. But... Stay, <laughs> stay, stay sassy. <laughs> <And> stay sassy. <laughs>